Heavenly Father, as we open your word, please open our hearts and our minds to receive that we might be made more like Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. So, speaking of daylight savings, I ran across a few tweets that I wanted to share with you about daylight savings. Why lose an hour of sleep? Can't we all agree to spring forward mid-morning Monday? Go from 9.59 a.m. to 11. Almost time for lunch. Hard to imagine anyone would object. Or this one. Very cool how I haven't left my time zone in over two years, and still somehow jet lag is imposed upon me twice a year by the curse of daylight savings time. This one, uh, i got to be careful, get into some politics. I will vote for whichever presidential candidate moves daylight savings to midday on Wednesday. Just stop messing with our weekends. <laughs> and then if you're a parent, um, there are so many of these, but does my baby do daylight savings automatically? Or do I need to download some kind of update for the extra hour of sleep? The only way to do daylight savings time right is to have kids sleep at grandma's house. Daylight savings, when you truly question both your math abilities and your decision to become a parent. And you know, it works both ways. Like when you lose the hour of sleep, it doesn't work. And when you gain the hour of sleep, it doesn't work. Because they still get up at the normal time. This one, I feel like fits our series. Dear Daylight Savings, thanks for nothing. Sincerely, a parent. That is the essence of our series right now. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Um, the irony that our topic today is time. And today is Daylight Savings time, <laughs> um, which I did not plan. In fact, I was thinking to myself, it's a bummer that this didn't fall on the right Sunday, and then on Thursday, listening to the news, it said it's daylight savings. I'm like, oh my gosh, it fell on the exact same day. Time. I think maybe you don't agree, but if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Um, this whole switching of clocks is the definition of Hevel. There is nothing gained from this. Um, I understand that when it was instituted, there was a hope of numerous things, especially economic advantages. Um, but today, I, there's a reason it's tr people are trying to get it to go away. Um, it's not doing anything for us right now. It might be harming us uh, psychologically and perhaps uh, making us use our air conditionings longer. And so maybe even it's a disadvantage economically, but it is hevel. We're going to talk about time today. Open up your Bible, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It is on page 952, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want to share something with you this morning that is a biblical truth, and then I want to share the problem with that truth and what it might mean for us. So this is the biblical truth. There is an ordering to God's universe. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, look at verse 1. Page 952 if you're in a few Bible. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. 
Now, before we look at what he is talking about here, we need to make sure we understand what he means by a time and a season for everything. We tend to think of time in little chunks and often things like this. Tell me if you don't relate to this. I've got an hour for this meeting. I've got 30 minutes to get to this person's house. You know, this morning, I've got 25 minutes to preach a sermon. (laughs) Or so. We think in chunks. It's very linear, and it's set up by our clocks. That is not what he means by a time or a season. He is talking more about events. You might think of it this way. If you're having a conversation with somebody... You might approach it like this. I have until 10 o'clock to finish this conversation and get to somewhere else. This kind of looking at time would be something like this. When the conversation is done, I'm finished. It's a period. It's a, a time frame, but not marked off by our clocks. There's a season or a time frame that is ordered by God for everything under the sun. And then he gives 14 sets of things, pairs, and and they're they're along a spectrum. Verse 2, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. There's a time to plant, there's a time to uproot. That can have two meanings, both actual agriculture or putting yourself in a place or uprooting yourself. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and to laugh. That God is ordered times in our life to weep, not just to laugh and to smile and have a good time, but also to mourn. And this keeps going. Again, there's 14 of these. Jump down to verse 9. What do workers gain from their toil? He's asked this question already back in chapter 1. We covered it in our first uh, sermon. I have seen the burden God has laid on humans, on the human race, And here comes our issue. Verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. So here's what he's saying. You need to make sure that you understand that the word beautiful is not used in the sense of like, that is a beautiful person or that is a beautiful painting. It's not an aesthetic kind of thing. He is again bringing back creation. So if you go to Genesis 1, This is what you will find. The earth or the universe is both without form and it is empty. What God does over those six days is he gives it a shape and then he fills it up. And every time he does one of those things, he says, this is good. But good is not a moral statement. Like it's good versus evil. What he's saying is it is beautiful. It's appropriate. It's ordered. It's exactly what I want it to be. It's as if God shapes something, steps back and goes, yes, that is how it is supposed to be. Those creatures are supposed to go there. It's supposed to be this way. Now, with the fall, everything gets wonkied up, as we've talked about. However, there is still an ordering to God's universe. There's still appropriate times for all of us 
to plant and to uproot. For all of us to go through all of these things that he talks about in here, to mourn and to laugh. There's an appropriate time for that. You might imagine it like this. Last week, I used an illustration of a puzzle. I'm going to bring back a puzzle again. Imagine you are putting together a puzzle. And as you put pieces and scenes of the puzzle together, you go, yes. That's exactly what that's supposed to look like. All the pieces fit. Oh, and then you do this part over here. Perfect. That's how it's supposed to be. That's the appropriate, beautiful image that it creates. And then he goes on to say this. Look back at the text. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Now, that phrase, that particular verse there is often used in this way. Now, if you don't come from an evangelical background, you may not have heard it this way, but it is often used in the evangelical world like this. God has put eternity in the human heart, or there's a God-shaped hole in the heart that only God can fill. He put it there, and if God is not in your life, there's always going to be an emptiness. And what I will say is, I believe that is actually true. God did wire us to be in relationship to him, and when we are not in relationship with him, there will be something missing. However, this verse is not talking about that. In this context, what he means is God has put in all of us the desire to see the whole picture. We want to know when the appropriate time is to plant and to uproot. We want to know when the appropriate time is to laugh and to weep. We want to see what God has set in motion and understand it. Would anybody argue with that? Have you ever been, man, I just wish God would let me know when, how, how long is this going to go on? How am I going to get out of this? Or we have questions like this. Something comes into our life that is difficult, and we want to know, why are you doing this, God? What will it do? I want to see the timeline. I want to understand how each piece fits in the puzzle. And yet, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. It's as if God has done this. I know you want to see the puzzle, so here it is. And he hands you all the pieces, and it is a 5,000-piece puzzle of a blue sky. And there's no box or cover for it. And God says, there you go. There's all the pieces. Just put them together, and you can see the image. And so you start going, all right, well, I found a corner. Okay, I found another corner over here. Okay, I got my corners. I'm starting to put some of the outside together. Okay, that kind of makes sense. But I do not know what to do with most of these pieces. (laughs) I get some of them together. I get a few connected here, but I can't get these over here. I'm not even sure if these go to the puzzle. They kind of look like it, but I'm not sure. That's what it looks like. So Kohelet's problem is this. There is an appropriate time for everything. Even the things we may not want to go through, there's an appropriate time. But as much as we want to know all of that, and in fact, it seems God has put it in us, like we hunger to know it. 
but we can't. And we see this throughout the scriptures. You think about Abraham. Abraham was told, I want you to go to this land. And then for 20 years, God doesn't say anything to him. Do you know what gets to the point? That he actually takes one of his servants and decides, I will end up having a child through this person so that I can have an heir. And God has to step in and go, no, no, no. Walk out and look at the stars. I'm going to do that for you. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars, and it's not going to come through your servants. But like it's 20 years in between God saying something to him and then that moment. Paul has a similar thing when he goes on these missionary journeys. He has three primary missionary journeys. Only one time in all of the journeys does God give him a vision. In his second missionary journey, he says, go to Macedonia. But after, other than that, all Paul knows is this. I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I have to bring the gospel to them. But God doesn't lay it out little by little, step by step, as much as we might have liked it. When we got here to this area almost two years ago now, one of the things that our family did a lot of is we paid close attention to the weather app because we never had snow. We weren't sure what the whole fall was going to feel like or summer. And I mean, summer for us was always 180,000 degrees because we're from Texas. And so we just wanted to know like what things were going to be like. And, and so we were using the weather app a lot. And especially as we moved to our, our first snow, we just wanted to know when it was going to snow. When can we go sledding? All of these things. Um, and, and it raised a question for me. In what other career can you be wrong in your main responsibility every day and still keep your job? I mean, could you imagine if like the FedEx driver delivered half of his packages to the wrong houses every day? Or your doctor gave you the wrong diagnosis 50% of the time? They would never keep their jobs. But with the weatherman, they just get to keep going no matter how many times it's wrong. And yet, that is a really good illustration for all of us trying to tell the future. Even trying to understand our past sometimes. Because what we would like, do you ever open up the hour by hour part on your weather app? Just to go, all right, now we got a 50% chance, oh, it's 60, oh, it's 80% chance of rain in three hours. You get to three hours and nope, <laughs> it's not raining. Um, that's what we want, right? We want God to give us an hour by hour blow. I mean, tell us what's happening. We're not going to get it. That is his big issue. And all of ours. What do we do? If that's really, if there really are these seasons, these times that are beautiful that God wants for us, but we don't know them, and we're not going to most of the time, what do we do? Two things. And I hope at this point to give you two solid applications. I want you to understand this stuff. I want you to understand the theology. I want you to know your scriptures but I also want you to walk away and have something that it can change how you view life. Here's the first. Trust God that there really is something beautiful and appropriate in everything that you're going through. In your seasons, in your moments, trust him when you can't see it that there really is, like God is set up 
something appropriate, something right in the things you're going through. And that can be really hard. Sometimes that is like, I've had moments of looking at my life and going, oh, that lines up, that lines up, that lines up. But I also have times where I can still look back and go, I don't get it. Why did I have to go through that? Or why did that happen? I can be in the middle of something and be thinking, I just want to get out of this. Can you be in a moment, no matter how difficult it might be, and think, God, I want to trust you that you can do something beautiful in this moment, that something is appropriate about this, and live into it. Right? Let me give you two possibilities. Right? Here is one that I am personally going through right now. I partly understand it, I partly don't. But I'm really trying to see it through this lens. Right? My daughter is a junior in high school. She will be a senior next year. In a week, we leave for Colorado to go look at a college together. She is my firstborn. She's my only daughter. I spent the first four years of her life home with her. And my baby girl is going to go to college. (laughs) And there's a part of me that is really, really upset by this. I do not want her to go. Um, I can't imagine her not being in the house. I can't imagine not her being a part of some of the family things we're going to be doing. I just, I can't. And yet it is like staring me in the face. And for the most part, it feels horrible. And yet I have also watched her growing up. I can have conversations with her that I could never have when she was nine or 12 or even 15. It's like she matures monthly. Um, And there's this relationship that we have that is different. And I keep telling myself in faith, this is appropriate. She needs to go. She needs to learn to live on her own and trust God on her own. Even if she's going to come back for holidays, even if we're going to see her life. I mean, this is part of normal. And there's something beautiful in it. There's something beautiful in all of our seasons. That's one. Here's a second. I'm going to introduce you to a little boy named Thorin who has Down syndrome. And when he was five years old, his parents took him to a school. They were doing a tour of the school. And at some point in the tour, the administrator came and said, hey, I want you to meet somebody. And she brought the family to another family. And Thorin's mom said, as we approached, we immediately had an idea why they brought us over there. There was a little girl who looked about Thorin's age. She looked very much like Thorin, including she had Down syndrome. When they got the two families together, almost immediately, the two little kids gravitated together and started playing. And the parents began talking. And in the midst of the talk... Thorne's mom mentioned his birthday was coming up. Maggie, the little girl, her birthday was coming up too. They discovered they were born on the same day. They were also born in the same city, at the same hospital. And Maggie's mom, her eyes got really big. And she said, 
you're those, you're them. This is that little boy. You see, Maggie, they did not know she had Down syndrome. They did not test for it. It was a shock to them when Maggie was born. And they were told there is another family that just had a little boy with Down syndrome. You could go talk to them, maybe. But the mother of Thorin wouldn't talk to the mother of Maggie at that point. And the administrator, listening to all of this, said to Thorin's mom, why wouldn't you talk to her? And Thorin's mom said, we adopted him. We weren't in the hospital at that point. We didn't know. In fact, he was two years old when we got him. We know nothing about that day. You, she said to Maggie's mom, know more than we do. (laughs) Can you tell us anything? And they began to talk. Here's the incredible thing about that story. The only reason those two families met is because Thorin's family was running extremely late that day. They weren't even supposed to be at the school at that point in time. They were supposed to be there hours earlier. In a mistake and in running late, God did something incredible for these two families because he can use even our mistakes even being late. I think right now my boys are going, Dad, you need to remember that because you keep yelling at us for being late, but God can use it. God can use all of our moments. So here is my first application. God can use anything. Trust him that all of your moments can have beauty and appropriateness. And look for those things in those moments. And lastly, try looking at time like God does. God is not seeing time in our very Western, very linear, chunked out thing. Let me read one thing, a a paragraph. This is out of Business Insider. For an American, time is truly money. In a profit-oriented society, time is precious, even scarce. It flows fast, like a mountain river in spring. And if you want to benefit from its passing, you have to move fast with it. Americans are people of action. They cannot bear to be idle. The past is over, but the present you can seize, parcel, parcel, package, and make it work for you in the future. Americans also talk about wasting, spending, budgeting, and saving time. It's how we think about time. Here's a different perspective, and I think it's closer to the way God is viewing time and the way Ecclesiastes presents it. Spaniards, Italians, and Arabs will ignore the passing of time if it means that conversations will be left unfinished. For them, completing a human transaction is the best way they can invest their time. For an Italian, time considerations will usually be subjected to human feelings. Here's an example they give. An Italian said this to a German colleague, why are you so angry that I came at 9.30? Because, said the German colleague, it says 9 a.m. in my planner. The Italian looked at him and replied, then why don't you write 9.30 and we will be all happy? The business we have to do and our close relationships are so important that it is irrelevant at what time we meet It is the meeting 
that counts. So, I will say these two things and draw this to a close. I understand that living in America, we are on schedules. We have to be on schedules. You wouldn't function. We have to write 10 a.m. in our planner and show up at meetings. But there are also times when we can be with a friend or with family where that event, that moment, should take precedence over the time. We're so good at thinking, what's next? We can be right in the middle of something and we're thinking, but this is coming up. Instead of just being with that family or those friends in that moment. If at certain times in our life we can think about the event that we're in instead of the next thing or the time clock, we might find much more value and maybe even when God is working in our life, we might find it a little easier to be in those seasons. So, it's all appropriate in God's timing, even if we don't know it, and we often won't. But we can look for the appropriateness, and we can look at time the way God does at moments in our lives and see if it might give us a better way of seeing life and going through life. I'll give you this final tweet. You know that scene in Willy Wonka where he said, you get nothing, you lose. Good day, sir. That's how parents feel every time someone mentions getting an extra hour of sleep this weekend because of daylight savings. That is exactly how parents feel because even if it were moving our clock back, we still don't get the extra hour. We can do nothing about daylight savings. We can do something about our faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to trust you when so often we don't know the future, we often don't understand the past, and we may not know why we're going through a moment we're in. Help us to see the beauty, the appropriateness, to trust you that it's there, and to have more moments where we can be present with those we love without thinking about the clock. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.